Hello and welcome to the Moving Curve. I'm Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Two nights a week on this mini cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I'm considering this one. What is it like to lose someone to COVID? It's day 263 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. and we are reporting 7,532,855 cases with 114,455 deaths on this our 100th episode i wanted to confront the issue of what is the essence of this pandemic that this is a deadly virus that has taken so many people away from their families and the pain of losing someone to covid has in many ways been uniquely unfair a trauma that will take over a million families across the world years and years to heal from shreya raman lives in vasai a city to the immediate north of mumbai that functions as one of its extended suburbs shreya studied at the asian college of journalism in chennai in 2017 and i taught her batch a short course in data journalism she stood out to me then as a smart and conscientious student and she now works with india spend She's done good data work through the pandemic and I keep track of what she's up to. On July 7th she tweeted this. My dad who hasn't stepped out of house since March has tested positive for COVID-19. The only contact my family has had with the outside world is me going every week to buy groceries. But yes there is no community transmission. How long will the denial last? I replied to her wishing her father well. She said his symptoms were mild and thanked me and others. And then on July 22, I saw this from her. My father died last week due to COVID-19 and my sister in Spain wishes to come to India for the rituals. She had some questions about the Vande Bharat mission and its procedures. It will be great if anyone can answer. We've been in touch in the weeks since. And then some days ago she kindly agreed to speak to me on the phone from Kerala where she had gone with her mother and sister. Yeah, I'm in Kerala at my family home. I've been here since 16th of uh, September. We're just here for the rituals but we'll come back. Okay. In two weeks. <laughs> I think that's all we can stay here. It's Sunday so everyone's come. Yeah, I'm on the terrace so it's fine. Shreya's father moved from Kerala to Vasai after he married her mother and they've lived in the same building Shreya's entire life. So he had a business. Okay. Uh he had a small IT business. Since the lockdown, Shreya and her parents stayed home with her being the only one who left the house. Yeah, I used to go out once a week or so to get groceries. There's a reason she was the only one leaving home. So uh, actually so he had parkinsons right so he would also he had like he was in that phase where he was slowly he used to go to office less frequently okay. because he had like longer off stages mm-hmm. and uh, with so he used to be on a combination of allopathy and ayurveda okay but because of the lockdown the ayurveda medicine supply stopped so his off stage was really severe and longer so he didn't want to go anywhere and my mom uh, she would she didn't like to go out much she would just go for the evening walks but then given the scenario it was fine she was 
scared to go out. I asked Shreya if it was difficult to manage her father's Parkinson's through the lockdown. Uh, he did have a system. Hmm. But it, I mean, it depends on his anxiety levels also. Right. If he is more anxious, then the medicines won't that work that effectively. So there were a lot of those problems, and also there was business issues. Also, his software, which he had written like in ninety four, okay. it is the same software that the company runs, but it's largely outdated. So he was constantly worried about those things as well. Right. So his anxiety and worries were a lot. So it was a combination of many things. On July first, he began a mild fever, but it didn't show up on a regular thermometer. Then on July fourth, he fainted while doing yoga at home. Shreya took him to hospital. His CT scan showed signs of infection. His oxygen levels were a little low, and then the COVID test was positive. He was moved to a COVID hospital. From then on, it all became something of a nightmare. First, there was the question of his Parkinson's medication. He called me saying that they stopped giving me Parkinson medicine, mm-hmm. and after that, things deteriorated fast. Oh, I see. So I don't. I'm, for he was like quite anxious, and things just uh, deteriorated fast after that. I see. Did they tell you about the Parkinson's medicine? I mean, was was it necessary to stop it? So I uh, so the thing is, uh, he started calling me around one a.m., two a.m., saying that you know, come in the morning and discharge me, mm-hmm. and he couldn't speak properly. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand what he was saying. But then I tried calling the nurse. I tried calling the hospital. Uh, so the hospital had a rule saying that the patient can have the phone only for one hour. Oh. Since my father had those dumb phones, like those, uh, oh, Nokia or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I kept calling them, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll check on him. We'll check on him. Don't worry." Mm-hmm. But then morning, so they said, "They said we can give the medicine only after the doctor comes." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's not right." I yelled at them a lot. Mm-hmm. But then morning, the doctor called me, and she's telling me that we didn't even stop only. But I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't call me otherwise. Yeah, and after that, oh, he's like you know, he started having more breathlessness. He needed to be shifted to the ICU and everything. So they couldn't go to see him again. Couldn't. I mean, we uh, tried con like trying to find some solution for that, but they didn't allow. Right. We could video call him through one of the doctors and nurses' phone. Because he didn't have that facility in his phone, right? But we couldn't meet him. But even on video calls, he couldn't say anything because, uh, yeah, he had those. Uh, so yeah, they had inserted a food pipe. All of the medical process sounds absolutely traumatic for the whole family. The actual. doctor who was treating him i met him only once mm-hmm. and um, yeah i mean i think there was a lot of that uh, where you i i was not able to connect to people right yeah throughout the hospital like one person would answer the call mm-hmm. but that that person would not be the person 
like he wouldn't even know or she wouldn't even know where my father is so it was a lot of we tried to reach the right people yeah very stressful that was also like even when you yeah even when i went to the hospital one mm-hmm. to give something to, mm-hmm. some medicine or something mm-hmm. uh so i told him that you know he's his, this is the patient's name and he's here Mm. and uh, so they they came back saying this patient is not here and i was like what are you talking about so there was a lot of these things that are happening one of the hardest parts had to also be that shreya and her mother also subsequently tested positive despite her father having been hospitalized by the way it took a week for her to get a test for herself and her mother something she had to chase up herself Shreya had mild symptoms and her mother had to deal with her own symptoms as well as her husband's deteriorating condition in the hospital. I mean she tried to be strong because uh, she had to take care of her health too because she tested positive. Oh I see. So she was more focused on that. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like eating well, sleeping well so that she doesn't fall sick also. It also meant that neither Shreya nor her mother could see her father's body or be there for the last rites. So, uh, so he passed away on the 16th, and we had tested positive. We couldn't go out, so that was an issue because uh, we couldn't find someone to go and uh, you know sign things. Right. So I had to struggle for that a bit. But then my relative finally went. Okay. But yeah. we couldn't do even he couldn't do anything uh, so the municipal corporation mm-hmm. uh, staff they took uh, they they took the body to the crematorium mm-hmm. and the crematorium staff did the last rites i asked shreya about whether it felt important to her to have been there for that i didn't know if it's something traumatic that she would rather not have experienced or if it was closure that she needed even then uh, so for like we had he was fine like a uh, 10 days ago yeah. uh, so 12 days ago and within 12 days uh, i mean first of all it was difficult for me to process it yeah also without seeing the body i think it took me longer to realize that okay no i mean that was a thing that was in my mind that look no he'll come back and then i'll have to prepare things at home for that yeah. you know because he has been in the icu so it takes for him to recover so uh, you know i was in that zone but then Uh, yes so it it took a lot of time to finally um actually realize that okay no this is the end and this is not going to happen so i think if we were to even get to see the body i think uh, it would not have been such a difficult process they also had to grieve alone something that shreya says might have been a blessing in disguise also it was uh, because i mean in normal scenarios yeah uh, our house would have been crowded with people yeah. but in this we were just alone for yeah. two weeks no one was there yeah i think i like that better because we got our own space to process things right. rather than people bombarding into house and i have to like you know sort out the food for them or whatever it's hard to know what to say what i can say that can make any of this terrible pain make sense i'd like to thank shreya for speaking to me and my admiration for her only grows 
Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Anand Krishnamurthy. On the next episode, a new question.